Loud. Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show, midweek Wednesday here to Coach Flying Solo today. No Big Dog, Big Dog taking the day off, so I'm uh, flying solo today. That means the co-pilot seat is going to be wide open right there for you. You want to play the co-pilot, strap it on if you will. And please remember your seat cushion can be used as a flotation device. You can give us a call at 888-463-6748. Plenty of sports to talk about from college hoop to some big baseball signings, little football reviews and previews and a brand new coach heading up another National Football League team as the landscape in the coaching world in the NFL changes almost on a daily basis. We'll jump off the sports page as well. Talk a little Oscars nomination. We'll talk State of the Union. Barack Obama. Appearing before the nation yesterday, little sports guys talk politics. What else do we got? We got all kinds of good things coming up here. The two guys in a mic show, news and notes, titillating tidbits as well. David Olson, our producer on the other side of the glass. We'll get a, a few seconds of music and then we will kick this award-winning show off. Some say it's inspirational. I was just about to say that. Our music. Some say it's inspirational. Some say it's motivational. Are we still on the air? Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hopefully. Yeah, no, we're still on the Hopefully we're still on the music. Right in the middle. I was just about to say how inspirational and motivational the music can be. And boom, it shuts off right on cue. Hopefully that's not an indication of the way this particular uh, show is going to go. go. Uh, the big dog is off today. Coach flying solo. That would be me. Again, our phone lines are open. Love to hear you check in your thoughts on the uh, sporting world. Or, of course, uh, we're always more than willing to jump off the sports page as well. And, again, the phone number here, 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. You can email in at mike2guys at aol.com. M-I-C in the number two, mike 2 Guys at AOL.com. David Olson, uh, unless I missed it, could Barack, <coughs> excuse me, Obama, uh, could he have not started off the State of the Union or somewhere along the way put out some good well wishes to our state senator, Mark Kirk, who is uh, in, in, I guess you would say, still serious condition after the stroke. I was actually kind of surprised he didn't. I thought he would have. Yeah. I, I thought he would have. I mean, it's not a congressman, even a congressman, but a, you know, a senator. Yeah, well, Last it's, time it's, I checked, there's not that many. Who has his old seat? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was, I, I was, I was very surprised with that. I, I actually expected him to open with that. Would have been a nice touch. It would have been. Would have been a nice touch, but uh, the State of the Union was right there for you, and uh, you know, you can say what you want about the policy. You can argue back and forth. Barack Obama does give good talk. He can give good speech. The last five minutes, that last ten minutes, awfully good. Awfully good. And you forget also the power when you're speaking and the power of the pause. Boy, did he use that effectively. 
when he was talking about the soldiers and talking about how, uh, you know, our country has to come together and comparing the Navy SEALs and their raid on bin Laden and the trust they had had to have for each other to become successful and kind of comparing it here to America with our uh, divisive nation that we have right now. Boy, strong stuff. And again, the power of the pause. I'm going to try that on the show today and see if I can reach the same power heights as Barack Obama did with the pause. <laughs> might not work so well on on radio, huh? Or it might might work a little bit better if you could talk like Barack Obama. But uh, it was interesting watching a little bit of the analysis afterwards, and I do call it analysis on purpose sometimes. And I think one commentator said, you know, it's like some you know some people are the the Democrats are on Mars and the Republicans are on Venus. I mean, you heard Barack's speech, then you heard who was it, Mitch Daniels? Who gave the rebuttal? Yeah, Mitch Daniels, governor of Indiana. Yeah. Uh, some saying uh, favorite for vice president. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, and they've had different people give the rebuttals since, um, well, you remember Barack? Was it Barack at the State of the Union? When he first really became known to the, to the, uh, to the country. His famous blue states, we are not a country of blue states, we are not a country of red states, we are the United States, I think. It wasn't that at the Democratic National yeah, Convention you, you, in 2004? Possible. He was it like the opening speech for the Democratic Convention? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, but that's the speech that really kicked off the you know the Barackomania that carried him over in an incredibly short amount of time from um, you know community ag- uh, community organizer to president of the United States, but. The, the people the Republican put up, the Mitch Daniels, the meat of what he was saying was exactly the conservative agenda. But could you could you give me a little bit of charisma, a little bit of energy? My goodness. That was about as dull. I mean, especially, and it's hard to follow Barack. I understand that. It's like, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to watch Springsteen play. Springsteen does two and a half hours instead of the lead up act. You know, you got an act coming on after Springsteen. Pretty tough act to follow, but still. Give me a little bit of energy. Give me a little bit of enthusiasm. Mitchell, get some sleep. And again, the speech was pretty good. But it is amazing. Sad. But amazing. Uh, You know, and again, the one commentator summed it up best. It's like the Democrats are coming from Mars and the Republicans are coming from Venus. We're looking at two different worlds out there. And it's um, scary a little bit when we get that divisive. When we get that device, if anybody watched it, want to uh, comment on it, little sports guys talk politics, 888-463-6748. The phone number, again, State of the Union, Barack Obama at the helm. He didn't make any sports references, I don't think, did he? I was waiting for that, too. Maybe a little Super Bowl reference. Don't believe so. I thought he was going to put a shout-out in right in the middle of, uh, you know, right between the energy crisis and the deficit that the Sox convention is coming up this weekend. He's a Sox fan. Could have put a little sympathy out to uh, Kenny Williams and his family as they try to recuperate from son Kyle and the two fumbles in the NFC Championship game. Death threats purposely being concussed. Yeah, that's that's, that's just ridiculous. Tough weekend. Yeah. I I think I heard a couple of the texts being read, but you know, there's probably worse stuff that's not even being read. You know, how pitiful is that? I mean, it it is just sports, folks, and it's not like he purposely messed up it's called a mistake it's critical and in the sporting world you can be disappointed about it but you know death threats please but can they track those down now via cell phones or 
If someone sends something over a text, you can track that down, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure you, it'll identify the number it came from. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll see so. if that happens. But uh, State of the Union, at any rate, uh, was done, and we got uh, what? We said pitchers and catchers report. It's a beautiful thing. In about 28 days, it's a little early, David, but pretty soon we got to have the countdown to the November elections. We got to figure out exactly how many days it's going to be. It is going to be a long and grueling process up into the November elections. I mean, it is going to be a drag them out battle. First, we still got to, you know, get the Republicans to pick their candidate. That's going to, it, it has been and will continue to be a long, dragged out battle, and it's getting dirtier and dirtier. And that's just the, that's just the spring training. That's just the prelude. I don't know if we're going to have any you know, energy left. It's going to be like the NBA basketball season. You know, 66 games in, uh, you know, 95 days or something. We're going to have burnout. So you're going to have this incredibly intensive and divisive and vicious, it's getting vicious, Republican uh, convention and battle for the Republican nomination when that's all done? Are they going to have the energy? Are we going to have the energy to come back and go through it for, what, about four or five months? Oof. And Obama has got, what, like billions of dollars packed away for commercials and speeches and fundraising. I mean, he's got that. They showed him one... I think it was a magazine article I read in Chicago. They got the Barack Obama election headquarters. Huge place. I don't know. They rented some open factory. You know, they got, they got a hundred people working there a year in advance, a year in advance, year and a half in advance, all for, uh, to get Barack Obama reelected again. It's like politics has become big business. A lot of wasted money in my particular opinion. Lots. Of wasted money. 888-463-6748. Get off the political front real quick, David. And by the way, we do got Pigskin Boys going to be calling up in just a bit. We're going to talk to our football expert, if you haven't heard him before, Chicago Bears fan, NFL guy. We'll get a little perspective on the championship games, Super Bowl coming up, and maybe even bigger picture. We'll talk a little Bears on the NFL as a whole, maybe some rule changes, how the season went, etc. Our NFL expert, Pigskin Boy. Uh, filling in for the uh, dearly departed, if not slightly decapitated, host Joel Radwanski. But, uh, David, you, we've had a day to let the uh, Oscar nominations set in a little bit. I don't know if there's been any controversy, any people arguing, any people upset. My big complaint was Jonah Hill was Best Supporting Actor in Moneyball. I thought he was the third Best Supporting Actor in Moneyball. I mean, I could have played that role. He did it well. I'm not saying he didn't do it well, but that was an easy role to play. The mild-mannered assistant. There was no emotional mood swings. There was no particularly dramatic moments. Maybe a few, but you talk, you know. There was one. There was one. When he's... When When he told Carlos Pena he was traded. That was the first time he had to do that, right? That was the first time he had to do that. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember the scene. I just saw it a couple of days ago, and I, but but I'm trying to remember. So just the the brilliance yeah, he was, of his he was acting like completely was nervous. And it's like, yeah, pack your bags. We're 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 sending you to Detroit. Yeah, it was a quick. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a short scene, but it was yeah. it was very well played. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But still, you know, we're talking of all the movies and all the supporting actors, top five. Again, I, I put him third in the Moneyball movie. I think the director, head director of baseball scouting, even though he didn't have a huge role, that guy played it to perfection. And then um, 
Philip Seymour Hoffman has already won too many Oscars. We don't need to give him another. But he was brilliant mm-hmm. as Art Howe, manager. Yeah. Well, you know, the the cynic in me says he was nominated to bring in the younger demographic to watch the ah. uh, telecast. Yep. That's that's what it says. But uh, it's it's going to be between it's probably going to be between Kenneth Branagh and Christopher Plummer, who's like the faraway favorite to win it for beginners. For beginners, that's yeah, the movie where he's yeah. the old guy yep. with his son. He admits to his son that he, he was finally in his later years that he was gay. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep, won the Golden Globe. And yeah, it's, it's you know, a pretty cool it's, movie. It, yeah, at this point, it's more a career recognition for him mm-hmm. than for the actual performance. Although, from what I understand, he was quite good in the role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a movie I actually potentially would want to see. It's called Beginners. Who's the Who's the son in that movie? Uh, Ewan McGregor. Me and McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Oh, Ewan McGregor. <laughs> I thought I was appearing in a movie or something. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, outstanding in the movies of the year. Is there any leading candidates? A little bit early for that, or do uh, we have no, a lead candidate? No, no. Um, it looks like uh, what, uh, the artist is the favorite right now. Which artist? The name of the movie is <laughs> The Artist. Uh, is that the silent flick? Yes. Ugh. Yes. Apparently a lot of people... Do we got pigskin on hold, by the way? I need to check. We were talking. Ah, so. okay, okay. Apparently a lot of people... Um, I don't know about a lot, but at least a significant portion apparently went to the movie, and they did not know that it was a silent movie. That yeah, that's that's correct. Interesting. Few complaints there. Subtitles. I'm I'm sure there were subtitles. I'm assuming. What's that? Is subtitled? Uh, not sure. Really? Not sure. I mean, I I I would assume they have the placards, like in the old time silent movies. Uh huh. So I don't even and know there is there is dialogue at the end, from what I understand. There mm-hmm. is dialogue in the movie towards the end of it, but the mo- the majority of it okay. is filmed like a silent movie. So about uh, wasn't it uh, Mel Brooks's silent movie where there was no talking of the whole movie yeah, except exactly. the one word spoken by Marcel Marceau, the world's the, the most mime. famous mime. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it, that's that's one of my favorite Mel Brooks movies. <laughs> All right, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. We'll talk a little bit more Oscars. Anything else, to David? Or we'll no. Why don't we get to pigskin and okay. we can wrap back on the Oscars later on the show. Beautiful. Uh, let's bring in right now our National Football League expert. You heard him throughout the season here on the two guys at a mic show. We much appreciate it. Hopefully the check is in the mail. If it's not, it's probably being delivered by a carrier pigeon. He talks Chicago Bears. He talks NFL. He talks football. That's why he's called the Pigskin Boy. It's my good friend Charlie Colbert checking in. Pigskin, how are you? Uh, it's great to be here, Coach. Dave, how are you guys doing? We are doing outstanding. The big dog, we're not sure where he is today. I don't know. He might be pulling like an Alonzo Spellman. He might just be walking around in the snow, out in the cold, with his shirt off, wandering aimlessly and threatening housewives somewhere out in Aurora. Well, actually, Coach, I'm in Indiana for the big game. Unfortunately, it's in Elkhart, Indiana. <laughs> and what big game is that? I went the wrong way. There's a big game at Elkhart this yeah. weekend. Well, you're also a week and a half early. I thought I was covering the big game, but it turns out to be the big game. But it's at Elkhart. Ah, sorry to hear that. You, you got to yeah. You got to Make sure you get your directions straight. MapQuest is overrated. I would highly suggest the GPS. But uh, I don't know. You have any excitement at all, Pigskin? I'm assuming no. Any excitement at all about the Pro Bowl coming up this weekend? There is football this weekend. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I don't. You know, I've always thought, Coach, that what what they should do, having Hawaii. 
uh, you know, I'll give them all the little perks and everything of Hawaii, meet on the field, introduce the players, shake hands, and go home. There's your Pro Bowl. Not even have like a superstars competition, like uh, you know, how about how about have like a lineman throwing competition? You know, let's see which lineman can throw the football the most accurate, can throw it the longest. Uh, what could we do with the quarterbacks? The quarterbacks have like a sumo wrestling. Put them in the big sumo outfits and let the quarterbacks do a sumo wrestling contest. Either that or have that really wacky obstacle course they used to do that Bruce Jenner and uh, yeah. Danny DeVito could never never <laughs> figure out. No, what they should do is, and I'm not even sure if they still do it, where they have the skills competition with the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. They used to run that like at, like on NBC during the off season. Yeah, where, Superstars Challenge. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be great to make that part of the Pro Bowl weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, and you invite the other quarterbacks, not just the ones that made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Now what Pigskin is saying, and I. Tend to agree with them. I mean, not only part of the Pro Bowl weekend, that would replace the game. Oh, that would be the game, right? There'd be no game. There'd be an obstacle course. Of course, you'll have a swimming contest, maybe bowling, um, <laughs> archery, perhaps. Yeah. Did you say swimming uh, contest? Yeah. You know, you get people that really can't <laughs> swim. Remember Joe Frazier? He got like five laps and sunk. Yes, five. Five no, laps? No, he took like five strokes. Yes, I thought you said five laps, five strokes. Yes. No, he sunk. That would actually be interesting to have like a uh, you know like a relay in the pool. You know, you got to have you got to enter one offensive lineman, one defensive lineman, a kicker, and then you can have a fourth player. Right, you can set up your leg of the relay based upon I don't know kicker, quarterback, teams, uh, mm-hmm. and linebackers. Mm-hmm. And then you can mix your lineup to make it interesting. You know, right. some of the more competitive teams might want to go with the quarterback in the first way. I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm picturing the Joe Juravicious and the Vince Wolfucks of the world wearing a Speedo in a swimming contest, and suddenly, pigskin boy, that does not sound like a particularly good idea. Well, I'll probably get the same ratings as the, as the Pro Bowl does. <laughs> Have you noticed, by the way, the linemen in the last 10 years, and sadly, uh, pigskin, it comes down to the high school level even. And I think there is a health factor there, but, you know, the, back in the 60s and the 70s, the linemen, they were big guys, but they used to be pretty fit. Some of those guys now, they may be athletic, but they're fat. No, they're, they are very, even at the high school level, they, yeah, look at the linemen for the most part, you know, last weekend, the four games or the two games last weekend, they, they, they are really fat. Uh, Vince Wolfork is not what you would call Slim. No, you wonder, uh, you know, particularly at the high school level, you're trying to get a college scholarship. So much is the weight, uh, I almost called you big dog, pigskin boy. So much is the weight. You know, college scouts, well, you know, he's 250, 255. He's too undersized. He's not going to be able to get a scholarship. you got to get him up to 280, 285, 290. A lot of it, I think, is their listed weight, and they eat and eat and eat and get bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's hard to stay in complete shape, and uh, they do get, for lack of a more, you know, nice cushy word, you know, they get fat, and it can't be healthy for them. And I think part of it is the pressure on the linemen just to gain weight, to get bigger. Put on, yep. Yeah. Not not necessarily the most healthy thing, though, for uh, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Well, it also, and you see these guys, one of their biggest problems is to put. Tremendous pressure on their knees. Yep. 
and the you know the knees because you see them all with those with those you know twentieth second century knee braces. Mm-hmm. And I mean, every guy's got one of them. And you know, when they try to get up when they got a knee injury, you know, it's like you know moving an elephant onto a staircase. <laughs> yeah, very eloquently put by the pigskin boy. All right, well, that's the kind of stuff I wanted to kind of get in today, a little football or big picture stuff. Big picture is another season comes to an end. There's maybe a little uh, interesting controversy that is growing, the the weight of, of linemen. We talk about the the uh, Pro Bowl game and how it needs to change. I do like the fact, Pixon, are you with me? I like the fact they do it during the bye week. I think that's a good trend instead of playing the game after the Super Bowl when really nobody's interested. Well, if you're if, yes, if you if you're going to have any interest at all, you can't do it after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's the worst of all the pro of the all of the All Star game by far. Um, number two, if you had any common sense, I, I would guesstimate, especially last year, over a third of the players selected don't participate in the game for whatever reason. Yep. So you're not really getting the first choices. You're getting the leftovers, which is not bad. I mean, Julius Peppers took John Pierre Paul's spot, but that's very common. So mm-hmm. you have a Pro Bowl. We don't really have the Pro Bowlers, and it it does help it to have it between seasons to, to answer your question. But you know, you don't have the first team there. Mm-hmm. You know, any any excuse to be made not to participate, especially last year. Is done. I mean, what quarterback realistically is, you know, wants to be in that game, or what team would let him be in that game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. no, no question about it. Uh, and we'll see. Pigskin. I don't know if we're going to be able to get out to Hawaii, uh, but if the big dog can't make it, and we could somehow swindle two tickets, any chance you will accompany me out, uh, and we, the two of us, can cover the Pro Bowl together? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I'm ready. Beautiful. Because I, I think there's probably some other stuff to do besides that, right? Oh, I'm sure we'll have some official duties. You know, we'll go to the banquets and stuff like that. We'll uh, hit some of the parties and stuff. It'll be, you know, pigskin and coach, little weekend that was out in Hawaii. We'll see if we can pull that off. Yeah. What's, what's today, Wednesday? Well, we got 48 hours to, to work some tickets. I'm sure we'll... Uh, we can we can get a remote out there. You know, we'll, we'll write it off as a business expense, pigskin, no problem at all. Well, if you just dropped your name, I would think that would be plenty. I've tried that before. Every time I drop my name, they seem to drop the idea. So uh, they're going to have to try some other idea besides dropping my name. I tried dropping somebody else's name. That got me a little bit further. But my name doesn't go very far. Do what you got to do. Thank you very much. All right, Pigskin, uh, let's talk uh, real quick Chicago Bears, and then I do want to get maybe for a sneak peek preview a little bit of your Super Bowl thought, the championship games from last weekend. But real quick, we got a lot of listeners right here in the Chicago area. Let's talk our Chicago Bears. And I guess the biggest thing real quick uh, is uh, we're still looking for a, I guess you would call it a general manager, but it seems to me we're almost looking for a player personnel director. Are you getting that kind of gray area feeling between the two positions? Yes. Um you're not really looking for a general manager per se because um, the Bears have done this completely backwards. When when a when a high when a, when a college athletic director is new, like at University of Illinois, <clears throat> or a general manager in any sport, baseball, soccer, hockey, whatever, the first thing they want to do is hire their own coach. 
going to go down with the ship or the coach that he did not hire. And that goes from college on, on down and up. So the Bears have managed to basically make Lovey Smith the head coach, the de facto guy second in command. The only other guy in, in the NFL really that has that kind of power is Bill Belichick. Um, but I, you can see how difficult it is for them to bring in a general manager who is answerable to the head coach who only has one more year on his contract. Well, it looks like they're down to the final two candidates. Uh, you know what? I had their names written down. <laughs> I can't find them now. Well, but uh, Emory, Emory from, uh, from Kansas City. Kansas City, um, the guy from New England, the personnel guy there, and uh, hopefully not Tim Russell, who built the powerhouse yeah. who's the Seattle. No, I, I don't uh, think it's going to be Tim Russell. Now, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because what you just stated about, uh, and again, talking Bears specific here, we'll get to the NFL as a whole in a second. Pigskin Boy joining us here in the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Bear fans, you want to chime in, 888-463-6748. I disagree with you a little bit in the common thought process that because the Bears brought, you know, said, hey, Lovey Smith's going to coach next year, that it wipes out bringing in any good general manager. I, you know, I could almost live with, first of all, he's not signed for five years. They said they're bringing him back next year so you know that alone i think you could still bring in a general manager who's gonna you know feel like he's got the power if he doesn't like lovey after a year he can make some changes i just think it's the way they have structured the bears and in particular you know the role of ted phillips who has gone from the business assistant to the business accountant and all of a sudden he's the team president slash seems to be making the decisions general manager so it's it's his authority i think that's more bothersome to the bears bringing in a good general manager than simply the fact all right you know lovey's around for one more year and then you can make your decision i don't think it's that critical i think the bigger problem is that you got ted phillips oh i agree i've never been a fan they have a guy in charge of football operations that doesn't know anything about football operations mm-hmm. it'd be like hiring me to run a soccer team yep my first question would be, is what are those things they're shooting into? <laughs> and then second, you could try to describe what the how the offsides penalty works. Yes, and I would suggest they use an oblong ball. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yes, I agree. He is the problem. But you know what? He just keeps getting higher and higher in the organization. Um, but I, I still think it's difficult. It's not. It's not. It is the Chicago Bears to bring in someone. Mm-hmm. I don't see how the head coaches all of a sudden jumped, jumped everybody else. Unless you're Bill Belichick or Bill Cowher or mm-hmm. Don Gruden. Well, and again, is think. that is that media hype or is it reality? Who who said Lovey Smith is getting any more power? He's the coach well, of the team for one more year, but I, I don't know that they've you already answered the question because we're not bringing in anybody who has the power other than Ted Phillips to fire him. They're well, not going to fire him. Actually, cool. you know, I've always said, to be honest with you, John, I think he's the best coach the Bears have ever had. And the record proves me out. Yeah. Not the sure best about coach that. ever had. Better than George Ellis? Well, that's, you know, we're not going back to the 1700s. Yeah. Sadly. Sadly, there's, and again, we're talking, I've talked about this before on the show, the great 
franchise of the Chicago Bears and the many great players and the great tradition, you look at the coaches they've had and not so great. Way oh, far below. He, I mean, from Abe Gibran to, you know, Mike Ditka, he was a caricature. He obviously got that 85 team over the hump. I guess at one point you could consider him a pretty good coach, but did Buddy Ryan carry him? He was all over the place, Ditka. And then, you know, from Abe Gibran to uh, the first man that landed on the moon, Neil Armstrong. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, you know. John, well, John Shoup wasn't head coach, but the Dick Gerons of the world, the Jack Pardees of Jack the world, Pardee. just these milk, you know, nice enough guys, good enough football guys, but we really haven't had that great, charismatic, outstanding, above the crowd, step out in front, fired up, head coach of a team. And again, we're talking the Chicago Bears. You should be choosing the best of the best, in my opinion. Dick Geron and Jack Pardee and Neil Armstrong and the rest of them were not the best of the best. Oh, you know what, uh, John? I got. I take offense to that. Yeah, there you go. We forgot to mention uh, Dave Wanstead. I don't that. understand that logic at all. I gave it my all. He's got a knee. Mm-hmm. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. But uh, all right, well, you know, it was. We'll see. But I would imagine Pigskin in the next day or two, we're going to know who the next general manager of the Chicago Bears is. Sounds like it's down to the final two, unless some surprise comes up. Well, I think really what the, I think your player personnel thing, John, was really right on because I think they want um, player personnel draft um, draft guru um, because one of the problems and you can see why other teams succeeded: Giants, Packers, New England. When the Bears had catastrophic injuries, they were decimated. Their season was over. When the other teams lose players. They continue on. Their season's not decimated and over, and that has to do with draft picks. And I'm not going to go into boring details because it's really boring, but just Google Angelo's last five, six drafts. That's the depth. You know, forget about Cutler Peppers. Forget about, uh, you know, Charles Tillman, the topic. Look at the amount of players. Now, this is your depth that either aren't on the roster, never made the roster, or out of football. Mm-hmm. That's why you're the Bears where they are. You know, and I, again, I'm going to disagree with you. And for the, for, just for the heck of it, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. That's, again, you're repeating what the common thought process is. Is that the Bears, you know, got a couple of key injuries, the quarterback in particular, and they completely fell apart. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Caleb Haney, the backup quarterback, most of us... Most of us, not everybody, thought that, you know what? He's a decent backup quarterback. Not sure if he can be a full-time starter in the NFL, but based on what he's done with the Bears, uh, you know, in particular that championship game against the Pack, but not just that game. You know, he got to play the previous couple of years, and at times he looked pretty good. You think with a little more development, Mike Martz working with him, this guy could be a capable backup. Most people thought that. He came in the game, and I would argue, pigskin boy, that in, what was it, a five-game losing streak to finish the season? That if Caleb Haney would have played, uh, you know, capable and not completely broken down and throwing ridiculous interception, you know, the Bears probably win two of those five. Maybe three of those five, and God forbid Caleb Haney actually would have played better than capable. They could have won four out of five. So are we basing the whole, well, you know, the Bears Personnel selections weren't good enough. It's just an example. They had injuries, and they fell apart. Maybe they didn't fall apart. Maybe it was one position that let them down. It was a key position 
But without that key position going up, they could have won three of those five games and been in the playoffs. Had Cutler not gotten hurt, they would have won four of the five games and been in the playoffs. It's directly Caleb Hayes' fault. He stinks. Uh, but they, but now you're back. you're now you're differing with what you just said. Because you said Jerry Angelo was incompetent and the team fell apart after a couple of injuries. Well, they did. They didn't have replacement. Well, it sounds like we're talking replacement. Well, okay, they made a poor decision because they didn't have, and not that anybody really does, they had a totally incompetent backup quarterback who they knew was totally incompetent. Well. They They had very, they had virtually no depth. Um, at any key positions, they're just lucky the older folks um, stayed healthy, and they were just scrambling. Coach, I understand a lot of teams do, but that has to do with player personnel and who's on your roster. And who, who's on your roster is the people you draft, mm-hmm. not free free agents or not yeah. backup. But the point I'm making, Pigskin, is that if Caleb Haney would have played decently, the backups were fine. The offensive line got retooled, and, you know, they got to the point where they weren't great, but they got to the point where they were decent. Uh, you know, Matt Forte went out. You know what? Khalil Bell. I'll take Khalil Bell as a backup running back for my team anytime. He was pretty good. Wide receiver situation you can criticize a little bit. At free safety, we lost a ton of guys this year, and uh, who was it who stepped in at, at the end who actually looked pretty good? Help me out. What's the kid's name? Was it Stelts? Well, they had Stelz and Conte at one point together. Yeah, yeah, Conte played pretty good. I know he got hurt later on. So, you know, we had guys that filled in and, and performed admirably. And what Tim Jennings on the corner was a nice pickup. And you know, they didn't. Uh, they had Zach Bowman for a while, so they've kind of rotated defensive backs over there. Uh, again, I, I'm partly playing devil's advocate, but I guess what I'm saying is, is just Caleb Haney's failure affected our judgment on how the Bear personnel was put together. Perhaps, but that was a big failure. I mean, it was such a big failure, they had to bring in another quarterback who, 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 who basically was out of football. Yep. That's how bad it was. If, yep. you, remember, if you remember, Josh McGowan finished the season. He wasn't even in football. Mm-hmm. He was with uh, Marvin Harrison at the car wash. <laughs> Doing pretty well, by the way. We don't want to go that way, but anyway. <laughs> Doing pretty well. But he knew the system. That's the important thing. He might have been out of football for four years, but he knew the Mike Mart system. Now the problem is we don't have to worry about the Mike Mart system because Mike Martz is out of football now. And the Bears well, have out of football. Yeah. yeah I, I'm assuming you like the uh, Mike Tice selection as the new offensive coordinator they decided to promote with him. Well, I like the fact that Marks is out more than Mike Tice. I don't know anything about Mike Tice's offensive system. Um, I think I think that it's going to allow. You know, I just never liked for Cutler the idea of you can't call an audible and you got to take an eight step drop. Period. Totally inflexible. And if you notice, and this is what I keep bagging on, Coach, was the best game I ever saw Cutler play. I think was that San Diego game where he'd be completely audible and was, you know, running around, throwing off the back foot. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. So I think Tice is going to be flexible enough to say, hey, let's do what he does best. It was and interesting so, the way Mike – I thought it was interesting the way he described his offensive philosophy and Lovey Smith was behind this. We are going to run the ball first 
but we are also going to have an explosive passing game. It almost sounds like they're going to pass up the short passing game, uh, Pigskin. Their emphasis is going to be on run the football, but then play action. And when they throw, they're going to throw deep. They're going to go for the big ones more often than not. Well, good. They should because, and I do agree with this, one of the analysts was talking the last couple of weeks about how the NFL has made it virtually impossible to play defense. Um, my goodness, Coach, you see the same games. David, look at my God, you can't, if you, if you so much as touch a receiver, you get 20 years hard labor. I mean, you can't touch the receiver. With, you can touch him like within two yards. Yep. It made it impossible for the the defense to play defense, which is why you saw these outlandish scores, which is why you saw, what, five quarterbacks throw for 8,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I agree with him. You know, use the rules until they change them. Yeah, and that, you know, that you know, by the way, if, if we talk big picture, uh, you know, and kind of do a little recap today with our NFL expert, Pigskin Boy, it sounds like this phone conversation is being tapped, David. I don't know if that's because the State of the Union address we have new security measures, or possibly Pigskin is not wearing his ankle bracelet, and the probation officers could be checking in. Not sure which one. But um, big picture, Pigskin, we talk about rules that need to be changed in the NFL. Number one, in my opinion, absolutely the overtime rule. They've addressed it in the playoffs. They need to make sure in regular season games that the coin flip does not decide that. I think that's just absolutely abysmal. But number two, you just alluded to it. They, in my opinion, absolutely, this is a long time coming, they have to change the pass interference penalty. And A, emphasize, you know, when in doubt, hold the flag, let them battle for the football, the ticky-tack stuff, the little bit of contact, let it go. Let it go, or or here's my other remedy. If you want to call it and give the advantage to the offense, that's okay. But then, just like the face mask penalty of five years gone by, uh, allow the referees to call a, whatever you want to call it, incidental um, pass interference or non-flagrant pass interference instead of putting the ball 40 yards downfield. You know, give them a five-yard or ten-yard penalty a little bit so it doesn't have such an effect on a game, a little ticky-tack foul, and all of a sudden team picks up a first down and you know maybe gets a game-winning field goal or game-winning touchdown. Flagrant pass interference? Flagrant. Got no problem at all. But there should be an adjustment for the officials to call a non-flagrant pass interference. Well, it's third and 31. You throw a pass that nobody can possibly catch. The guy bumps into your belt buckle. Now you get a first down of the 10. From third and 31 on incidental contact, it changes the whole game. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to down to the 10. Or combine it with the rule that I'm assuming you don't like either, the overtime rule. Team gets oh. the ball on the 30-35 yard line. You know, they try a couple of runs, the defense stops them. They fling the ball 35 yards down the field, questionable pass interference. But the referee calls at the ticky-tack call. The yellow flag comes out. All of a sudden, the team's got the ball on a 38-yard line, a couple of little runs, and they kick a field goal and win a hard-fought game. And basically, they didn't pick up any yards. They just got an incidental pass interference call. That should not be acceptable. Yeah, especially the one-and-done thing. Um, It's ridiculous. It's exactly right. You just spent the entire, what, three hours on a great football game, and it comes down to a pass interference questionable pass interference call and now you take a field goal and everybody mm-hmm. go home? I don't when they sit around I know somewhere in the nice warm weather climate they get some of the 
owners, the GMs together, some of the head officials. They do have meetings and discuss the rules. I, I can't believe that kind of stuff is not brought up, Pigskin. To me, it's oh, as clear as day. It's all about enjoyment of the game. It's all about the quality of the product. I don't, it's not that I'm rooting for one team. You want the best team to win. You want the quality of the game to improve, and I think that would help it. Yeah, and I think it will, Coach, because for years you had dinosaurs like Don Shula and those types, you know, who were always the lead guys on the rules committee, and nobody had the guts to say no. And I think those guys are now gone out of the league, and you're going to get younger guys, even you know, not even guys like Bill Cowher's age, um, that are going to be much more flexible to changing the rules. Whereas, you know, you have you have the old timers. You know, we're not going to change the rules of this great sport no matter what. You know, and I think you've got younger guys who are much more flexible, who have been actually involved in the game, who've seen how, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, it's like, you know, it's a bad call, change it. Get it right. A huh? little big picture discussion. Our NFL expert, Pigskin Boy, checking in. By the way, Skin, I will be uh, out next week, Monday through Thursday. The Big Dog will be uh, hosting, so you need to make sure you call in a couple of times with a little Super Bowl preview thoughts with the Big Dog, okay? Oh, yeah, I, I, I will do it twice. Also, besides the Super Bowl preview, um, let's face it, he's the only guy who knows who the backup third-string quarterback from Houston Baptist is. His knowledge of sports minutia, scary. And I don't know if it's research or just like photographic memory. It's unbelievable. He can't remember to show up for a job interview. And he, you know, has trouble keeping things straight when it comes to finances. But as far as sports minutia and knowing who the 1985 RBI champion was in the American League, he is without, without competition. Absolutely to perfection. It's amazing. So you, if you want pigskin, you can call him up next week and give him some, uh, we call it stump the pole. Some trivia questions. See if you can see if you can find a way to get through his epidermis. Oh, boy, I'd have to really do research to stump him on football mm-hmm. trivia. Yeah, there's books out there. That's what the Internet is for. Hey, uh, real quick, I want to get to the Super Bowl. Just a quick little preview from you and your thoughts on Sunday's game. Real quick, though, I haven't seen the segment, David. Maybe you've heard it or not on HBO Sports, I guess. We've all heard about the Brian Urlacher painkiller segment, but apparently, I think it's on that show, they've got a bit on a high school football team from South Dakota whose coach refuses to ever punt the ball, and every time they score, they go onside kick every time. And apparently they won the state championship this year and were very successful the previous year. Refuses to give up the football. Will not punt, and if they score, field goal, or touchdown, they onside kick every time. I saw. I, I really want to see that. I'm not as interested in the Urlacher stuff, but I... I... I really want to see that. I did hear that. And um, I do have a friend of mine, Coach, that throughout his coaching career in high school, out of, let's say, ten kickoffs, probably offside six or seven out of those ten, and almost all of them are successful. Really? Yeah. Wait, say that again. In in his entire coaching career, he's only kicked... He's always used the onside kick at least Ah, three times a game. Interesting. And it's been successful. Always, it almost always works. Uh-huh. I mean, a lot of it has to do with how you know you got to practice it and have a kid who can really do it. I mean, you can't just go on site; you got to spend an hour or so a week on it. 
but I'm sure the other team at some point scouts it and knows it's coming. Don't they, uh, you know, the common thought processes, and again, I'm not a big fan of common thought processes. I like to think outside the box, but, you know, the, you're giving the other team great field position. Don't the parents complain that you're losing games because the other team's getting the ball in your zone every time? Well, they don't get the ball in your zone every time. And even if they know it's coming, um, one of the things that his kicker does really well is he kicks it really hard right to the uh, lineman's face mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, to a, right to a lineman who can't catch it. The ball ricochets. Right into your hands. First down. Interesting. David, you got something up there on the? I do. It's actually in Little Rock, Arkansas. Little Rock. I apologize. It's Pulaski Academy. Okay. And the coach's name is Kevin Kelly. All right. Uh, He's amassed 104 and 19 record and two state titles so far. We're using that theory. 104 and 19? 104 and 19 as a head coach of that school. Isn't that unbelievable? That is. That's getting it done. That's pretty incredible. You better have a good defense if you're going to have that philosophy, and you better have a strong parental support group behind you. Very interesting. I like the theory, though, Pigskin. I still think uh, in sports and in life, too many of us just think the normal way, and we don't think creatively enough. I think you've got to constantly look for different and unusual things to do, not just for the sake of being different and unusual, but I think there's other ways of being successful. We're so ingrained into following a certain pattern. And here's a coach who has thought uh, way outside the box has been successful for him. I like that general philosophy. Yes, think outside the box. Well, you know, that sounds cliche, but the point is think creatively. I mean, there's different ways of getting things done. And, again, I'm talking beyond sports. This can be done anywhere. This could be done in the classroom. You look at most schools right now, you know, don't get me started. Only got 14 minutes left in the show, but you talk about, you know, contained and thinking inside the box. I, major changes needed, I think, to motivate the kids of today. Our classrooms are built for like for like the 1920s. How about a sport near and dear to your heart, big skin, basketball? Teams will play man-to-man defense. Or zone defense, and yes, they will switch. But why not? Why can't you switch during a possession to really mess a team up offensively? Why does nobody incorporate into their defensive system, you know, man to man, and then after three or four passes, you switch into a zone? Totally, totally mess up an offensive team by changing defenses within a possession. Correct me if I'm wrong, but outside of a brief moment in time at Dale Brown and LSU, nobody does something like that. Yeah, it, they, they do more. You can kind of do that. It's called more of a matchup or boxing one. That's sort of what that is. You can, you can move players. Um, I can't remember who did it in the NCAA. Um, what was the name of that defense coach? The, the, the Freak. <laughs> Dale Brown, the Freak. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had he had signals, but uh, I get back in the coaching game, Pigskin. I'm thinking about doing something like that. And again, I'm using this as an example of just doing something completely different, not just for the sake of doing it completely, because it might work. Could be successful. You gotta you gotta think creatively. Forget the whole cliche about outside the box. But you know, you you signal you you put your kids in a standard two three zone, let them sit back. But somehow you you don't just put up number four because people could figure that out or number three, but there's some signal. 
and the kids know on the third pass, they just immediately transfer into man-to-man. So 2-3 zone, pass, zone defense, pass, zone defense, pass, zone defense. Now we're a man-to-man, and guys cut, guys follow through, totally throw off the offenses, at least until they adjust to it. Just a thought. We were trying. Just a thought. Probably not, but, you know, I'm rambling here on Sports Talk Radio. All right, Pig, before we let you go, you don't mind if I call you Pig, do I? I don't. Everybody calls me the Pig. <laughs> Short for uh, our beloved name for you, of course, Pigskin Boy. You are our football expert. Real quick, your thoughts on last weekend's game. Two great championship games that came right down to the wire. And uh, what you got coming up for Super Bowl, the Super Bowl game, Giants in New England? Um, boy, the NFC and AFC finals are always the best games of the year, aren't they? And last week lived up to it. My gosh, how, how much better can you get? Um, obviously, they were decided on mistakes in this field goal. Kane Williams' son fumbling probably should have been there in the first place. But you know, how, hopefully, the Super Bowl will be better than that. I think any one of those four teams would have been a fine matchup mm-hmm. um, because the Ravens and the Niners really play good defense. So I think any of the four would have been a good matchup. I think this is a great matchup. The Giants are on fire. The Giants' defense got back all of their players that were hurt. The players that were hurt were Pro Bowl caliber. And they're they're hot, and they show that they can win on the road. You know, they've shown, like the Steelers did a couple years ago, they can win anywhere. And uh, the Patriots look vulnerable. Brady did not have a very good game, which is rare for him. He'll bounce back against a tough, tough Baltimore defense. He's going against a tough New York defense. And the most underrated quarterback in the last two years is Eli Manning. Yep. Eli Manning is putting numbers that his brother was the envious of, and I'm not exaggerating. He's, you know, you talk about Breeze, Rogers, Brady, who right, 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 right outside that door is Eli Manning, if anybody hasn't noticed. He had a phenomenal last two years. So I think it's a good matchup offensively. Both teams are healthy. I'm going to take the Giants. Giants over New England. I don't know. Right now the point spread is New England by three. I think you're right, by the way. Any any of the four teams would have been a pretty good matchup, and you probably could have played Ravens in New England ten times. Both teams win five times, and the Giants in San Francisco about as even as you could get them. I and you flip a coin there. And, you know, you said they were two great games. What more could you expect? Uh, the only, and I mentioned this right after on, on Monday's uh, award-winning show, available, by the way, on archives at uh, www.twoguysmike.com. The only minor disappointment, Pigskin, and you stated it, is that both games were won not on a great play. They weren't won, really, unfortunately, because of mistakes. Both teams at the end were lost. Yeah, especially the missed field goal. You hate to see it come down to the kicker. By the way, the kicker who missed the field goal is the highest-paid kicker in the NFL and was the MVP amongst kickers last year. Wow. Joey Turnup is the highest-paid. I think he makes more than uh, Robbie Gold, and he wasn't that golden toe or whatever they call it from last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kyle Williams was filling in for Ginn Jr., and... You know, that was some bad mistakes that cost him the game. Yeah. What do you I do like, if you're if you're Jim Harbaugh? I mean, you gotta put someone back there, right? In a situation like that, maybe they should should have just told him unless you've got a great chance for return, just let the ball go because their defense was really at that point dominating the Giants. 
and you felt the momentum was in the 49ers' favor, but uh, yeah, you got to have someone back there, I suppose. Yeah, but boy, I, it, you know, I'm not piling on, Coach, but in the modern-day NFL with a thousand different camera angles, you've you got to know that if the ball hits you in the knee, you've got to make an effort to go after and get it. Yep. I mean, but... Yeah, they have camera angles that can, you know, pick up the, you know, the letters on your shoes. So you know that they're going to know that it hit you. Mm-hmm. And you've got to, since Pop Warner football, either get away, get away, or if you don't, go get it. I have to admit, watching it live, watching it live, I thought he was okay. I thought he got away from the football, but uh, you're absolutely correct. When in doubt, you got to chase after the ball as the other guy did. And, of course, that was only mistake number two. Uh, the poor the poor kid, Kyle Williams, fumbles in overtime, and the Giants basically kick a field goal right from that spot and win the game. Tough, tough break. Pigskin, make sure you uh, check in next week. It'll be the uh, big dog. I don't know who his different co-hosts will be. It might even be you. We don't know. I'm going to send out a schedule, but uh, make sure you check in a couple of times next week. And as always, we appreciate your football acumen. Well, as always, Coach, I appreciate being on your show. And real quick before we leave, uh, one of our emailers, Mishmash Molly, wants to know, ask Pigskin, who will win the women's semifinal at the Australian Open, Petra Kvitova or Maria Sharapova? I'm going with one of the Povas. That's the problem you got, too. And I think that's why Mishmash Molly is emailing, because Big Dog has a great theory. In women's tennis, when in doubt, bet the ova. <laughs> but your problem is you got two ovas here. So who knows? All right. Big Skin, I hate to send you off with that, but I'm going to. Thanks, my friend. Have a great week. Uh, finish it out and uh, enjoy your discussions with the Big Dog next week. All right. I will talk to Big Dog next week. Ova and out. All right, stay out of trouble. Pigskin Boy checking in. You can, too, at 888-463-6748. Yeah, the Australian Open getting pretty interesting. I think we got Nadell against Roger Federer in a semifinal match. That's not too bad. Indiana Pacers taking on our Chicago Bulls today. Luol Dang looks like he's going to be out for, looks like anyways, an extended period of time. So our guy Brian Scalabrini is going to have to step in and do the job. And uh, David Olson, you put something up on our Facebook page. A young picture of a, of a Prince Fielder. It's a good picture, isn't it? It's it's uh, and of course Zubas and all, <laughs> and that's when his dad Cecil, I think it was Cecil, right? Not Cecil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cecil Fielder. was with the Detroit Tigers. Yep, yep. Taking a few swings during batting practice Boy, and had the, pretty much the exact same build as Prince. Absolutely. Boy, and if you check out our Facebook page, folks, um, what's our Facebook page? Mike, two guys. No, two guys and a mic. Yeah, I should know that. <laughs> um, he was a big boy even at, what was he, age 12 there, maybe 11, 10? Yeah, he was, he was, yeah, he was around 12. Yeah, big boy. Around 12, yeah. Big boy. That's an extra large pair of Zubas he's wearing there as a 10, 12-year-old kid. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> at any rate, Prince Fielder signed surprise, too, with the Detroit Tigers because, David, all the discussion was, you know, the Angels, the Rangers, the Red Sox, out of nowhere, the Detroit Tigers Put out the money. Yeah, just it, it, it came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere, and you know, the fact that he's going to play where his father played, I Kinda think, cool. is a very, very nice touch. Yeah. I think is a very, very nice touch. Yeah. But I mean, him and Cabrera back to back, and oh, wow, ouch, wow. And that's if you're a White Sox fan, that's not a great thought. 
Not at all. Not at all. This move puts them among the elites yeah. in the American League. And last time I checked, they probably have what's considered the best pitcher in baseball right now, Justin Verlander, as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fear the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Fear the Tigers. All right. Uh, oh, and by the way, Tim Lensicom re-signed with the San Francisco Giants. Two years, $40 million. Oh, no, 40.5. I'd love to hear the negotiation for that point five. <laughs> you're getting $40 million, $20 million a year, and you're fighting for that extra point five. God bless him, Timmy Lensicom. All right, we appreciate everybody listening today. Big Dog will be back tomorrow, we hope. Uh, the two guys at a mic show, talkzone.com. Everybody have an outstanding day. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. Sometimes the best part of the show is right in the beginning. Producer extraordinaire David Olson, great job as well. See you tomorrow, everybody.